I'm actually missing from the, the speaker's family my three favorite people in his family, and that's Shantae and Marley and my favorite, Tyler. Um, he'll do, but would like to have seen them. So I am, again, going to thank our sponsors, as Dan did. I'm going to decrease from this place because we want to give him the opportunity to talk about what he wants to talk about. If you have not gotten your questions in, please do so. It helps if we get them a little bit early. Uh, we can read them off the fly, but it just helps if we get them a little bit early. So please get your questions in. And um, I'm going to ask the speaker to come up, and I'm going to step down. Well, good afternoon, City Club. I know we all just ate, but we can do a little better than that. Good afternoon, City Club. Oh, now I feel welcome. You know, it truly is an honor and a privilege to be standing here before all of you today to address the City Club of Chicago, Jackie. Wow. You know, I've seen many people address this organization from the very seats that all of you are sitting in today. You know, but I, I never dreamed that I'd be standing here on this spot uh, addressing you myself. Uh, this very moment honestly reminds me of a book I read a couple of years ago by a former Disney CEO, uh, Robert Iger. Uh, it was entitled The Ride of a Lifetime. And I got to tell you, it's days like today, you know, 20 months into this new job of mine, it's days like today that definitely make me feel like I'm enjoying the ride of a lifetime. And so, Jackie, we, we've, had, we've had a chance to work together on so many things, on legislation together. But I really want to thank you for inviting me to, to speak here today. Thank you. I also want to say, Jackie, your leadership of this organization is truly admirable. And I think, look at this room. This is a testament to you. Can we give her another round of applause, please? I mean, it really is wonderful to see so many people back together uh, in person, no mass, you know. But I also want to thank those who are watching via live stream because we definitely uh, would love to have you here. There's just no more room. Uh, Jackie, pack the place. I won't talk long because I'm looking forward to the Q&A portion, but let me begin by stating that what? an honor it is to be joining you here today as the 70th speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives. That alone is an accomplishment. Only 70 people have had this job, but also to be joining you as the first black lawmaker in our state's first black lawmaker in our state's 203-year history to serve as Speaker of the House. You know, this opportunity would not have occurred without my colleagues, and many of them are here today, and I'm going to ask them to just stand for a moment. Can members of the House of Representatives all stand, please? These are the people that made history happen. I am honored to serve with them. And there's other 
uh, members of the General Assembly here, too. I, I see Senator Adrian Johnson. Any other senators here? Senators, stand up. Senator Peters is in the house. Man, you snuck in on me. That's hard to do, Senator. You know, good to have our friends from the other side of the aisle, other side of the building. They like to give us a hard time saying they're the upper chamber. <laughs> That's okay. You know, they're, they're good people to work with. You know, when I became speaker on January 13th, 2021, I said to my colleagues then, and I really say it to them, you know, many times. I've said it many times since that having the title, I mean, really is a tremendous honor. I mean, just an honor beyond honors. But to me, more important than anything, the most important thing, when I wake up in the morning, it's to do the work. We have to do the work. And in doing that work, I have had to lean on many life lessons that I, I've learned over the years, and particularly on what it means to be a leader. So over this past 20 months, a lot of folks have asked me, what is it like being speaker? Uh, what is that leadership role like? So I'm going to give you a, a little bit of that, what guides me, uh, and throw in a little policy here too. Uh, but honestly, I have held various leadership positions over my lifetime, and whether it was president of my high school class at Proviso West High School, go, go Panthers, <laughs> member of the student council, uh, president of my local school board, the superintendent proviso is here. Dr. Henderson, good to see you. Or, or chair of one of our committees in the house. You know, I've learned that leadership is about serving people. Leadership is not about self. Leadership is about serving people. And I've learned that great leaders have a few things in common. If you think about the great leaders that have we've known in our lifetimes or read about, they all have a few things in common. I'm going to give you five of them. One, in politics, whether they are Democrat or Republican, great leaders are civil, compassionate, and willing to compromise. Two, great leaders listen before they act. Three, Great leaders are inclusive and collaborative. Four, great leaders build strong alliances. You can't do anything alone. Great leaders build strong alliances. And five, probably most important of all, it's certainly my favorite. Great leaders always, always Remember their why. Remember that three little word. Great leaders always remember their why. Why? This is something I learned from another book I read many years ago by an author named Simon Sinek. If you haven't read that book, please do. You'll breeze through it in the same day you pick it up. The book was entitled Start With Why. But I would say start with why and end with why. Why? Why do we get out of bed in the morning? Why do we put our names on the ballot and run for office? Why do we leave our families every single week to drive to Springfield? It's not for the horseshoes. <laughs> Why are we willing to miss key moments in our kids' lives to do these jobs? Why? 
That's a very important question that I think we all need to answer. When I look out on in this room, I see President Cook of the Cook County Board, Tony Preckwinkle. I know her why. I see it every day. She gets out of bed and goes to work to make sure poor people have access to health care. She's helping people. Lisa Hernandez, the new chair of the Democratic Party of Illinois. I know her why. Lisa's why is the reason migrants can call Illinois home. When they get off those buses, they're welcomed here because of Lisa Hernandez's why. I also see Stacey Davis Gates in the house. I see her. I know her why. She cares about students and families, whether people are homeless, have a meal to eat. It's about helping people. I can tell you I'm here because I want to help people. I want to help the poor, help the sick, help women, help children, help the elderly, help the most vulnerable among us. And I want the opportunities afforded to me to create more opportunities for those who will certainly follow me. That drives what I do each and every day. And I know, because I've gotten to know each and every one of them, I know it's what drives the members of the Illinois House of Representatives. I love working with this group of members, and I'm looking forward to continuing to work with them because they know their why. I'm almost 20 months into this job, and I can say that I am still learning every single day that I go to work, but I wake up grateful for the chance to shape policy and move Illinois forward. Move it forward together in collaboration and in partnership with all of you. When my colleagues elected me to this role, I took very seriously that I was becoming Speaker of the House. What a tremendous honor that title has. Speaker of the House. It doesn't say you're Speaker of the Democrats. It doesn't say you're Speaker of the Black Caucus. It says Speaker of the House. And I took that very seriously. And so it's, it's a little bit different than what I was used to. You know? you know, you might remember Representative Chris Welch giving some fiery speeches on the House floor. And I was never one to shy away from a progressive policy that I personally believe in. And you guys know that. I love to sit there and listen. Sometimes I just had enough that I get up and give a speech, whether it was on hot button issues like abortion. Illinois trusts women. And I'm going to speak on that. Whether it's guns. Illinois was the first to ban ghost guns. I'm going to speak on that. Whether it's marriage equality. Leader Harris, I'm going to speak on that. You know, some of those speeches were very hot. You know, and... Those were hot button issues, of course, but I got hot on some other things, too, like corporate board diversity. That's important to me, Jackie. You know that. You know, I, I, I had to get get up and say a few things about that. But, you know, if you guys know me, you've read that bio, cursive writing. I had to give a hot speech about that, too. <laughs> See, Kelly knows me. She knows me well. That's very important. 
I hope you guys all know cursive writing by now. <laughs> now, I still like giving those passionate speeches, you know, when Jacqueline lets me go out and do it from time to time. Jacqueline, thanks for coming up here. Uh, and I haven't changed my personal beliefs, but as the speaker, I really do think it's more important that I find ways to try to unify us at every opportunity. Unify us, not divide us. That's what the Speaker of the House is charged to do. It's important that I continue to listen and learn from perspectives that are different from my own, because that's how we create truly transformative policy. Transformative policy. We're changing lives. We're helping people. Of course, transformative policy requires a solid foundation, which is why we've prioritized rebuilding Illinois' fiscal house with budgets that are both fiscally and socially responsible. We've paid down pension debt and eliminated the backlog of unpaid bills, saving more than $1 billion in interest payments in the years to come. We've rebuilt our rainy day fund. Listen up. Illinois has a rainy day fund. <laughs> when have you heard that? It's been over two decades since you've heard that. And the experts are taking notice. The experts are taking notice. We've received not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. We've received six credit upgrades. First time in a generation. That fiscal stability has enabled us to put $1.8 billion back into working families' pockets by cutting the grocery tax, freezing the gas tax, providing property tax relief, and permanently, Representative Ammons, thank you, and permanently expanding the earned income tax credit. Now, while volatile international circumstances make it impossible to predict the future, I know Illinois is better poised to weather these challenges and succeed than at any point in recent memory. We've been doing the work, the hard work that Illinois needs. While rebuilding an Illinois that is poised to succeed starts with making smarter decisions than previous governors and general assemblies did, it also means enacting forward-looking policies that will make Illinois innovative and welcoming for years to come. Not just now, not just tomorrow, not just next week, but for years to come. But when we're pursuing those big ideas, we don't always get what we want. When we draw up legislation, we leave a lot on the cutting room floor. Lisa can tell you that. She left a lot on the cutting room floor with the Trust Act. And believe me, that can be frustrating. It took a lot of negotiation, a series of bills and trailer bills, and ultimately compromise to move Illinois forward to 100% renewable energy. That took work. It took work to defend reproductive freedom in Illinois, regardless of what the Supreme Court did in Washington. Kelly Cassidy can tell you something about that. And it took work to make Illinois the most welcoming state in this country. Let's give 
Lisa Hernandez, Kelly Cassidy, and Robin Gable, and all those folks that made Illinois a great state for energy, a round of applause. But as leaders, we must also recognize that we don't always have all the right answers or solutions, even when we think we do. There's not a leader in this room who doesn't think we know everything. We just do. We don't, but we think we do. There's always another perspective or another caveat that we haven't considered. And that's why. That's why we are so lucky to live in this great state that we call Illinois. From our prosperous rural communities to our vibrant, culturally rich cities, our diversity is truly what sets us apart. That's what makes Illinois. Just in this room, we have different walks of life. We have different backgrounds, different political views, but we love Illinois the same. We may have varying opinions on how we're going to move our state forward, but when it comes down to it, we all have the same goal. We all have the same goal. That goal, that's our why. That's why we are here. And if we remember or why, we will make progress. I like to remind our caucus that Illinois' greatest strength is our diversity, but it's our unity, it's our working together that helps forge a brighter path for tomorrow. Now, we're living through some very interesting and challenging times right now. In the political world, we're moving further away from civility and respect, you know, rhetoric and behavior that we would reprimand our children for, that I would reprimand Tyler and Marley for. It's just become almost too commonplace, you know, just way too commonplace. We're increasingly divided, and that is seeping into our daily lives. You've all recognized it. You see it every day. You see it on social media. You'll see it after this speech. You see it every day. You probably see it at your holiday gatherings. But we must take an active role in finding and being a part of the solution to restore common courtesy and civil disagreements that are the very fabric of our democracy. Our democracy relies on it. Our democracy depends on it. We must stand up for our democratic values and always operate with mutual respect for all our people, for everyone, whether they agree with us or disagree with us. It starts with us, everybody in this room, Democrat or Republican. Kirk Dillard is one of, I love Kirk Dillard. He's a Republican. But I still love you, brother. He's a good man. You know, we can have disagreements. We're going to do that. And sometimes they're going to be passionate. We have to work together to find solutions, common ground, and common purpose. We see it every day. We see every day some who seek to create division for personal gain rather than bridge the divide for the common good. We see it in those fake newspapers selling unsolicited fear. And we see it in those 
who poison their followers' minds with lies and deceit and misstatements. They do it intentionally. That's not good for democracy. That's not what makes a great leader. Selling lies and fear-mongering. If you're going to sell your soul to get to the position, what would you do to keep it? That's not good for democracy. The January 6th committee is meeting soon to present even more damning evidence of how the former president of the United States radicalized his most fervent followers and tried to dismantle our democracy. A president of the United States tried to dismantle our democracy, leading to the deaths of five police officers in the process. I got to tell you, folks, that's not leadership. That's exploitation. Our democracy depends on all of us standing up and speaking out against all of that. And right here at home, yes, right here in this beautiful state we love, some candidates still perpetuate the lies behind it. And some would-be wannabe leaders who should know better are funding those campaigns for personal gain rather than rejecting them for common good. Spreading lies and misinformation and fear-mongering is not the way. It's not the way to a better democracy. That's not what great leaders do. Great leaders believe in civility, compassion, and compromise. That's our way forward. That's how we get big things done. So when we hear the discourse over the next six weeks, it's important that we ask whether that language is grounded in compassion and compromise or lies in division. Which one is it? What type of leader do you want? One that's going to bring civility, compassion, and compromise? Or one that's going to sow division? Nowhere do we see this clearer than in our discussions on public safety. We all, everybody in this room, every single person in this room, those to your left, those to your right, want to live, work, and raise our families in safe neighborhoods. I don't know a person who doesn't want to live in a safe neighborhood. The Safety Act is historic legislation. Historic. It's legislation that empowers judges and removes access to money from the equation. But some candidates are crassly trying to turn that into something ugly. We start every session of the House of Representatives with the Pledge of Allegiance. We all say the Pledge of Allegiance every single day we report to work. And it ends with injustice for all. And justice for all. That's what Senator Peters believes in. That's what Representative Cassidy believes in. That's what Senator Johnson believes in. Justice for all. Let me be clear. Every legislative achievement of note, every one of them, 
every step of the democratic process dating back to 1787, when our founders first charged us with the unending work of forming a more perfect union, has required work and refinement and compromise and adaptation. We did that with the Trust Act. We did that with CEJA. And we've done that with the Safety Act. In the House, we've already passed three trailer bills to the Safety Act. Three. That's what democracy looks like. Why did we do that? Why have we already passed three trailer bills? Because we know the Safety Act will help people. It will help people. That's what we're all here for. But let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to allow lies, fear, and misinformation to take the place of smart decision making. We're not going to do that. Trust me when I tell you this. Trust me when I tell you this, especially standing here six weeks before an election. Those who are telling you they want to repeal the Safety Act, ask them what else they want to repeal. That is coded language. They want to repeal a whole lot more than the Safety Act. They want to repeal women's rights. They want to repeal labor rights. They want to repeal civil rights like marriage equality. They want to repeal every right we've earned in this country. So let's be clear about what's going on with this discussion we're having right now in Illinois. My special guest here today is Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhart. He's been sitting with me this afternoon. Eric, can you stand up? Stand up, Eric. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Eric, for joining me today. He has been one of the several people who have helped us with the Safety Act. The initial bill, the three trailer bills, and the continued conversations that we continue to have. That's how democracy works. And I want to thank you, Mr. State's Attorney, for all that you continue to do. I know it's not easy, uh, you know, but thank you. And let's give him another round of applause for you. He's doing that because he knows his why. He's doing that because he's understanding our why. We're 40 days away from an election that will determine the direction of our communities, our state, and our country for years to come. Thanks to early voting, polls open for some of us this week and run every day until November 8th. We need people to go vote. Get out and go vote. Vote. Exercise your right to vote. I am living proof that every vote counts. Every vote matters. Ten years ago, this year, I won my first race for state representative by 36 votes. 36 votes. And here I stand today, ten years later, as the first black lawmaker to serve this great state as Speaker of the House. Every vote counts. Let's vote early. Let's vote by mail. But let's vote. It's that important. We're 40 days away from an election that will determine the direction of all of our communities, 
Think about that. Everybody in this room should care about the direction of our communities. And in those next 40 days, those of you here today and those of you watching online will hear thousands of messages from people asking you for support. I hope some of you will have a chance to talk with some of your local candidates in person. And when you do, I hope you ask them that three-letter word. Why? Why? Why are they running? Are they running to continue the work to rebuild Illinois' fiscal house? Are they running to defend a woman's right to choose? Are they running with a sincere desire to make our community stronger? Are they running to divide people for political power? For those one-issue candidates that are talking about the Safety Act, ask them what else they'll do. Ask them. We deal with 6,000 issues a session. Ask them, why are you running? Why? What else is there? What else is on your agenda? Why? And when you hear that, when you hear what they have to say, I hope you know your why too. And I hope we can continue to stand together to move this great state forward. Again, thank you for allowing me to come before you today. It's truly been an honor and a privilege of a lifetime. Thank you so much. allow the speaker to take a minute to uh, get his parched throat together. Um, I was struck by the fact looking around the room as people were speaking, as the speaker was speaking, and I looked at Kirk Dillard, and I looked at a senior statesman, Art Turner Sr., and I looked at President Preckwinkle, who must have just left. <laughs> kind of kills your theme, right, when he walks out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I saw so many senior people looking around the room and just looking at the speaker, just proud that we've moved to this space. And it's not, he could be polka dot for all I care. <laughs> but um, I just think it's important that we hear that let's just get back to that place of, you know, civility. It's been too long that we've not had, that we had this crazy. You all have heard me say it before. I'm a country girl from Springfield, Illinois. Make your jokes now. Anybody else? That's what I thought. Nobody had any jokes. Um, and, you know, I didn't grow up like that. And didn't even, when I came to Chicago, it wasn't like that. But it's just, we've just moved so far. So thank you, Speaker for speaking about the things that some people just didn't have the bravery to talk about. And he actually brought it up. And um, just honored to have the room look like it does. If you look around the room, the room looks like Chicago, and it looks like Illinois. And I know, because I grew up in Springfield. <laughs> so we have a few questions. Um, 
I, I, there's so much that we want to talk about. I think we could do a, this is another one where I'm up here yet again saying, gosh, I think we have to do this again. So you get a little while to think about it though. Okay. So I'm going to move right into questions. And um, why don't we just start with a real tough one? Steve Richards, are you here from Richard Graphics Communications? All right, you guys know the rule. Oh, is he here? He's here. Good, because you know, if you're not here, sometimes I bypass your question. I don't. I just say that. I, I, I ask every question. Um, he asks a very simple question. What's the best way to fund the pensions? <laughs> I, why not start with an easy one, right? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Just, just get right to it. I got to tell you, I think, you know, we're already on the right track. You know, number one, we got to pay our bills. We got to pay our, our debts and we got to have our fiscal house in order. Uh, and we've been doing that. We've had not one, not two, not three, four balanced budgets in a row. The last two with surpluses. And we have been putting in the pension payment plus extra pension payments. And so, the first thing you have to do is get your fiscal house in order. And then by using all the great minds in this room, working together in collaboration and partnership, continuing to find ways to continue to make it better. I mean, we all know what the issues are, and none of us have that silver bullet. It's going to take us continuing to work together uh, to continue moving forward. But thank you for the softball right out the gate. <laughs> Why not? You know, get it off the table. Um, one thing I do know about Speaker Welch is that he studies and learns, and he's always a student, um, learning things that he does not know about. And I know firsthand because we worked on a piece of legislation that he knew diddly about. Literally went and learned in what, like two weeks? And came and learned everything. Yeah. And then, I don't know if he called me in church or if I called him, but he was like, do you know what you just did to me? I was like, yeah, we passed a bill that was really needed to be passed, but it was because he took time and he really learned about it. What I know for sure is that this student is, this, this question is from a student. The speaker has no problem pulling together people in a room and just saying, hey, let's talk about it. Let's learn about it. So here goes this question. Melody Slaughter, are you here? Oh, hi, Melody. It's these lights you really can't see up here. <laughs> University of Illinois System, student at UIC. How can students and our younger generation better connect and engage with government leaders to share their vision and passion for strengthening our state's economy, ec economic trajectory? I'm just giving you all kind of easy questions. Yeah. That's a great question, Melody, and thanks for ask, asking that one. I mean, I, I certainly think being present in rooms like this is a great start, uh, you know, but I think it's extremely important to stay present. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, as they say. Got to stay visible. Um, you know, interning in Springfield is always a great way. We have some great internship programs for college students that give them unique experiences in the legislative process. Uh, if you don't have time for that, getting to know the legislators and coming to visit them and lobby them on a particular issue, uh, I just think that's extremely valuable. Uh, my first... Uh, position in leadership, I would say, was when I chaired the House Higher Education Committee. And I really enjoyed when students just came down for a day and they went and they talked to legislators about issues that were important to them. That just happened to be the time we were going through 736 days of an unprecedented budget impasse. <laughs> so we learned a whole lot about how important MAP was to people 
what other things that were needed to be created. So we were able to create not only protect the MAP uh, grant program and increase it from a two-year guarantee program to a four-year program, but we created the, the AIM High program. That was from listening to students come down to Springfield and talk to legislators about what was important. Uh, so your voices matter. Uh, and I think it's extremely important that you exercise those at every opportunity. And like my friend Nick Greenwood here, invite us to speak to your class. We'll come to you. You know, uh, I enjoy it. I know Kelly does. Um, you know, invite us. We'll come out. And, and then uh, whenever I do a speech like that, there's no rules. So I, I normally get some some pretty good questions, you know, uh, and, and I try to answer most of them. Right. You know, so be active, be visible. Don't be shy. Thank you, Speaker. Deshaun, do you remember when we were growing up and we would see people coming down to Springfield? They'd like be in awe, right? Be like, oh, there's a Lincoln statue. And we'd be like, yeah, we see it every day. Um, it's a little different when you're working down there. And Deshaun and I go down to work and they call us by our family nicknames. And um, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. Uh, and they expect you to come and sit at their house and eat. Um, but it is important to continue to learn. And there's so much. There's just, it's, it's, the, 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 it never ends because there's something to always keep learning, what you just said. So thank you. Um, Alicia talked about mentorship, but you kind of just talked about some things to do to, to, to keep learning and, and offer opportunities to students. So I'll, I'll skip that one. Walter Johnson from College of DuPage. Are you here? Uh, hi. In, this is directed to you, Speaker. In what ways or way would you say your life has changed since you've become Speaker? Stay right here. Stay right here. <laughs> Jackie invited me to speak to the City Club. <laughs> I couldn't get that invite before. <laughs> you know, when you have friends and play, you know, see how that works. Now... I didn't invite you as a rep? No. Okay, well, I wasn't in this seat. <laughs> the reality of it, I wasn't in this seat either. I was not chair. <laughs> See, it was quick, right? I tried to be as quick as, Dan, you got to help me out when we, we got to figure that out. So all the other reps in the house, please don't come say. <laughs> he just got me on that one good. Um, I know that his life has changed in that He's got two absolutely great kids. So Tyler is my absolute favorite, in case you all don't know that. Um, Tyler is going to be a Chicago Cub one day. That's right. Speak it. When you are, what was he, four, five? And he was like, no, no, no. He was very, very specific. I'm going to be a Chicago Cub. I was like, well, okay. All right. And I was like, and you're going to become a Northern Chess client, too. So, you know. Um, his life has changed in that he still manages to find time for his family, but obviously it's shifted, right? So those of you all, who, who all is in public service here? Who elected? It's a pretty good number of you all. To have that heightened by what, 10? Because you said yourself, he's not just speaker of one party, one caucus. He's speaker of the entire House of Illinois. And so that means he's got to go down to Cairo. He's got to go up to Gurnee. And that takes a lot of time. So I've watched his life change. But magically, his wife is wonderful, and she still talks to him. So <laughs> he figures that out. 
um, there are lots of electeds in the room who could talk about how their lives have changed, but he also talked about that in his speech, those five, um, those five topics that he mentioned. There are so many things that people give up so that we all, for the greater good, and that's what I've seen about you the most, sir. And, um, you know, we don't get to share jokes like we used to, all that kind of, because he's busy, and I get it. I respect it. Um, when, when uh, you know, Majority Leader Turner was in there, I couldn't joke around with him about things because he'd be, he was always running. Do you still run like that when you're walking around? Yeah, I have a honey-do <laughs> <And, laughs> honey list, right. Um, but they're sacrificing for us, and I just, what's resonating with me is just the fact that civility is what, is the name, is the name of the game. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to say, are you bringing me another question? Oh, okay. <laughs> so much for the timely questions. While she's coming, the one thing I did want to say is, he mentioned something about voting. And if you saw the voter turnout... Who voted? Those of us in this room? Really? Who voted? Those of us in this room? That was it. So let's get the vote out. Um, this is a question from Tom DeVore. If we as people should civilly and compassionately engage in public discourse, then... Um, the problem is I can't read it. Um, I don't, I, I literally can, I literally cannot read the question. So it's, it's a, it's a penmanship or my progressives one. Um, can you just speak for a little bit about the safety act a little bit? I know you talked about it a little bit, but can you just talk about why it's good? Right, I think I addressed that in my uh, comments and I, I certainly am a believer in the safety act. It empowers judges. It's not going to make the community communities less safe. It's actually going to make us safer because judges are empowered to make those decisions. And that's the beauty of it. It's not going to be based on a person's bank account. There are people sitting in DuPage County Jail, predominantly black and brown people, only there because they don't have access to $500. There are people sitting in Will County Jail, 77% of those people, sitting there because they don't have access to $500. When you grow up in a community like mine, I grew up in Maywood. There are families that they're looking for their next meal. Food insecurity is real. Sometimes people make a mistake and they do it out of desperation. They go steal a loaf of bread. They go steal some food so they can feed their kids. And they're sitting in a county jail because they can't afford bail. What's fair about that? What's just about that? But a murderer who can afford bail is walking free. What's fair about that? What's just about that? Lake County State's Attorney can tell you a couple of dangerous people posted bail, got out, and went and did something worse. What was right about that type of system? The Safety Act will make us safer because it empowers judges in every single instance to make those determinations.